0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conversations with Dr. Yudin. Remember, this is where we talk about the challenges, the triumphs, and the truth about healthy and what it means to each of us and why we don't have to follow anybody else in order to be healthy. We can be healthy our way, right? So today, what I want to talk about is intuitive eating. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard the term intuitive eating, and you're probably wondering, what's intuitive eating about? Like, does that even make sense for me? And how is that supposed to keep me healthy? So today, I'm going to have a chit-chat with one of my favorite people. Aww. Um, this is um Alexis. She's a superstar, right? So well, we're going to have a chat about intuitive eating. And one thing I know about her is that she will speak the truth, right? (laughs) And full disclosure, she is my daughter. And yeah, she speaks the truth even to me. (laughs) So today, let's talk a little bit about intuitive eating. We're just going to have a conversation about it because I feel that in today's society growing up, there is such an issue around food. I feel that food can trigger so many emotions for us. And mm-hmm. it may have to be with societal influences, uh, familial influences when we were growing mm-hmm. up. And I feel that it's really, it's gotten a little bit progressively worse from my generation to your generation. Yeah. And the more people I speak to, and I've had patients who are in their forties and fifties and sixties, they're still being challenged with eating and they have such a, a such a relationship with food that it doesn't feel nourishing. Mm-hmm. It feels very punishing to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I, I want to ask, start off discussing, not really ask, but start off discussing is, could you tell me your experiences a little bit with intuitive eating, what you feel about it? And also how do you feel that this relationship with Food impacts your generation. I know it's a lot to throw at you. I know, right? And I'm
1: trying to be concise. But yeah, yeah, like I definitely think that growing up, I had a real tough relationship with food. Food is just one of those things that, you know, you're kind of trained like from a very young age to think about calories, to think about how certain foods are going to make you look, to think about what they're going to do to your body, Um, but not in the way in which, you know, we're kind of thinking about it now where it's going to make your cholesterol higher, but just in the way of how it's going to affect how you look. And that's, that's something that I feel like I've struggled with probably my whole life. And I had a very tenuous relationship with food, um, probably through high school and into college. Um, it just was one of those things where I feel like it kind of dictated what I did. It dictated my lifestyle, you know, it kind of affected just how I was because I was always thinking about calories and always on a different diet and always trying something new I I know there was like a period of time where I only ate turkey bacon and eggs just like consistently for like eight months because I just knew that that was about I don't know 200 something calories like if I ate that one specific thing that way um, which is ridiculous, you know, in hindsight. I don't even want to say ridiculous because that's, you know, a, kind of it's a negative connotation. But it was ridiculous in that I do enjoy food and I enjoy cooking. And I realized, you know, that for me personally, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I wasn't having a good time. And that's when I, you know, kind of took your advice and looked into intuitive eating. And it's been a great decision for me and one that I definitely am a pusher. I like to push people. I've been trying to push on people just because it does kind of give you that freedom to enjoy food socially and culturally like, you know, humans have for thousands of years instead of putting what seems to be like more of a recent negative connotation onto food as not a matter of subsistence or, um, or subsistence or anything like that. It's not thinking about the nourishment or even the camaraderie that comes with eating food. It's now more of just what those foods do to how you look, which is disappointing, so taking back control of food for yourself has been really empowering for me, which is just why I really appreciate intuitive eating personally
0: okay well i I feel that because i I sense that, and you know I'll, I'll share a little bit about myself like growing up, I have to say that. Did I consciously think about what I ate from the ages up t- until maybe about 10 or 12 or so? I couldn't say that I did, but definitely after that, I felt there's definitely some pressure in terms of how you looked and what mm-hmm. you ate and that sort of thing. And when I was um, bringing you guys up, um, my goal was to not have that imparted, but there was so much about it that we didn't know at, mm-hmm. at that time it's really challenging as a, as a parent to think, you know, am I doing something that's really impacting how my children are perceiving food? But mm-hmm. here's the interesting part is that you don't have to actually actively do something. Mm-hmm. Children tend to watch what you do. Yep. And so ultimately, even though you're saying certain things to them, mm-hmm. if you are um, not doing it, mm-hmm then they're going to look at what you're doing and they might start emulating that. And also there's a lot of societal pressure as well. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling, and we know, for example, we did not have the amount of social media that your generation has. Mm -hmm. And so basically we were influenced by our friends for sure, Mm -hmm. but we weren't influenced by other people Mm -hmm. that we don't even know, but who kind of, you know, just, they're constantly telling us like, what's good, what's bad, you know, how we should look and and, and all of those sort of things. So I feel that's got to be really challenging. I mean, one of the reasons that I tapped into intuitive eating is because I felt that the first thing that people needed to do was to really self-acceptance, like love yourself where you are right now and when you do that, you kind of ask yourself, like, what do you need to feel nourished? Like, mm-hmm. what do you need to feel loved? What do you need to feel energized? What do you need to feel supported? And until you've truly kind of tapped into that for yourself and, and say, you know what? Where I am right now is this. Let's be totally, this is where I am. And I can't want, I can't want to get somewhere from being someone else. Yeah. I can only get yep. there from being who I am right now. And so I st- I tapped into intuitive eating for that very reason because when I started asking myself what makes you feel good? What makes you feel less energetic? Those quest- those questions are really meaningful to me because it made me stop and really pay attention mm-hmm. to everything else that was that was going on. So I wanted to chit chat about what you feel about the social influences mm-hmm. currently. Yeah. Um. In terms of like we look at we look at the scale to tell us how we should feel in that particular day. If that scale goes up by, I don't know, two pounds, three pounds, then we feel bad about ourselves. Right. If we lose weight, then we feel good about ourselves. Right. So ultimately, that whole nourishing part kind of goes out the window, right? We yep. eat based on a number on the scale. The scale doesn't care about us. It's just giving us right. a number. It doesn't know if we're energized or not. It doesn't know if we're nourished or not. Right. So how do you feel about that?
1: Honestly, I want to briefly backtrack for a moment because Check. you said something really, um, that just kind of reminded me of something you were talking about, you know, just kind of raising kids and what kind of things you, Want them to take away from your actions and what you're saying to them. And I definitely remember hearing from you a lot growing up. Like, "Oh, you don't have to finish your plate. You don't have to finish your plate. But I also saw you sometimes not finish plates. And I think that was more powerful to me for sure. Because I don't finish my plate all the time. And I feel like that for me um, is one of the parts of intuitive eating that I can really appreciate. It's that, you know, when you're full, you're full. Like, don't feel forced to finish a plate. Don't feel... There's... This general notion of intuitive eating that is just kind of, you know, as you said, like being as you are, um, which, you know, just respects your body for what it's doing. Um, and that's honestly my preferred method of how I enjoy eating, how I enjoy being. You know, you get a lot further by just getting to that level of acceptance, which kind of goes into the question of the scale and what it's doing, you know, kind of societally and socially. Um, I hate scales. Personally, I hate them so much. Um, there's one in Publix. <laughs> Grandma loves to get on that. Every time we go into Publix, like I have yeah, to on scale like, Grandma why? <laughs> she and does. she has to get on it, and it's just wild to me because like, I get on it when you go to the doctor because you have to for checkup whatever. But I started in college just telling doctors, don't tell me how much I weigh. I I don't need to know. I absolutely don't need to know because I realized how much it was affecting my mood and just like, you know, if it did read one or two different numbers because there is this kind of, you know, perfect ideal weight that everyone has for either themselves that they've heard someone else say and you're just always internalizing this number that has nothing to do with the fact that you drank too much water or maybe you're a bit constipated or, you know, just honestly, it could just be a weird time where you're lighter, heavier, whatever it is. You don't really know and the scale doesn't know either. Um, and it definitely is that kind of central pressure around a couple of numbers, but it's the same pressure around the numbers that at least I kind of dealt with. And I found difficult, which were the numbers in calories because I honestly, was a math tutor in high school and I was super good at it, but I know I got that training young from just memorizing and adding those calories in my head. I never needed a calculator because you just are so trained so young that this is something crucial you that I couldn't have more than I think at the time it was 1200 calories, Mm. which is not a sane amount of calories to consume or especially to, you know, try to limit yourself to consuming, especially when you're going through puberty and you're young and all of these other things. But I didn't, I couldn't imagine eating over that number. So I would calculate it down to the last number in my head. I'd be doing crazy addition just to try to keep up with this image that I wanted to have of myself. Um, and it's just so much more freeing to be free of numbers, mm. if that at all makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: it absolutely does. The question that immediately pops to mind is, where do you think we pick up some of that information that this is a, this is what we need to eat? This is a certain mm-hmm. amount of calories we can't eat above this. This is bad. Mm. Uh, this is good. Um, do you feel that for your generation, like that some of the, uh, fad diets that are going around are contributing mm-hmm. in any way? Do mm-hmm. you feel it's more a uh, friend influence? Do you feel mm-hmm. I'm going to throw myself on a hot seat as well. Do you yeah. feel that, <laughs> I, um, I had something to do with it? Because I think it's really important that people yeah. sort of start asking themselves, like, where is this information coming, coming from? Mm-hmm. Is it, is it coming from a reliable, um, source? Mm-hmm and and should um and how much of this information should I start internalizing it if any, and if it's mm-hmm. making me feel not good about myself, then it's definitely something that we need to stop and and start asking those kind of questions. so where do you think some of the influences came into the that for you?
1: It's such a good question. I honestly, I really wish I'd given it thought before this moment, but just off the dome, I can remember being really young, and I'm not going to throw any particular. Uh, figures of my Mm -hmm. life that I love and appreciate under the bus. But one of them was very into dieting. And um, this person just tried a varying amount of diets, was always very unhappy with the way they looked in certain clothes, You know, often reminisced about being a different size. And that just kind of, I think probably kickstarted it for me. But then the addition of just watching reality TV or even Disney, like there were so many Disney episodes just about dieting and so many, like that Nickelodeon, so many ones. It's like, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's jokes, but sometimes it's just like the things that the right. cooler girls said, they were all dieting mm-hmm. in the shows. And I know, um, you know, there's always kind of this, even now, I feel like romantic, you romanticizing. know, romanticizing of working out in a way mm-hmm. that is not necessarily mm-hmm. healthy, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. like where there are these kind of groups that are not necessarily cults. I feel like that's an exaggerated word, but they definitely... Practice in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not just about you going to the gym and being able to reach a level of fitness that mm-hmm. feels good for you, but it's more like you do this social thing together to push each other to a degree where you feel almost unwell and it becomes so competitive and so social in that aspect that now you're competing for numbers with other people in the group and you're pushing yourself to these extreme extents and you're doing it every day of all seven days and it just gets so wildly out of control Mm -hmm. that way too so it's i kind of see that as well but i noticed that uh more prominently being talked about in the kids shows now i was babysitting um maybe about a year ago and watching disney with the kids and they were definitely talking about soul cycle yeah. And you know, it was just heavy about. I don't think they called it a Soul Cycle, but you know, they use a different word for it. But it was about the trainers, mm-hmm. and you know, just about the whole kind of experience and how you know it was really just glamorizing it mm-hmm. um, in a way that it kind of makes you want to do it when you're that young, mm-hmm, and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. I want to work out that hard. And then that can slowly and and you know, honestly actually very quickly spiral into something Mm -hmm. so much worse and cause, you know, a kind of troubling relationship with food and with working out that Mm -hmm. people don't even realize. So I think it it starts with, uh, excuse me, your family and the people that raise you for sure, you know, that it's ignorant to pretend like that doesn't affect Mm -hmm. your life um, in good and bad ways. But at the same time, that happens in school, that's Mm -hmm. gonna happen with your friends for sure. Your friends are gonna be on some diet that you're gonna wanna Mm -hmm. be on or they're gonna try to make you go running or you know, whatever. All of that is is usually the more tame aspect Mm -hmm. of it, but especially when it comes to how you look and how that determines what friend group you're in, that kind of clicky stuff. I feel like that's been around for a while, but it's definitely way different, I think, um, for my generation specifically, with the media portrayal and in what shows and different networks are kind of advertising to kids, which I do think is is beneficial for those networks too. But I think in the long run, you know, kind of leads to a more negative path. Hmm.
0: That's an interesting perspective that I haven't really thought about with children's shows. So I have not to watch those. <laughs> I have not to watch those in a minute. I'm going to be honest about that. Thank goodness, no offense to kids shows. But here's the thing about in, intuitive eating that I want to get back to because it really, I believe that all of us are born with an innate sense of what is good, what nourishes us. I don't like mm-hmm. to word, use the word good, but what nourishes us, what, what feeds our soul, what, what brings us joy. And along the way, sometimes we get disconnected mm-hmm. from that intuition and i feel with food it's it's very similar as well like as you know um your brother um his intuition from it seems like to eat was was not to eat meat products Mm -hmm. and i felt like i needed to listen to his intuition after trying to reintroduce it over and over Mm -hmm. and over again it didn't work out so i think i feel like we all come in with that and along the way due to circumstances influences um that change our paths change our relationship with a multitude of things and so even when a relationship changes with food that might then lead into some sort of dis-ease or uh, chronic conditions that then may happen let's say even let's say even diabetes or insulin resistance. And what that does, what that does, it, it disconnects us from our intuition. It mm-hmm. doesn't allow it to work as well. So it's almost like when we're talking about intuitive eating, the reason you have to be there and like know who you are and know yourself, because you have to ask this, yourself this question, what is disconnecting me mm-hmm. from my intuition? Wow. That I can no longer make choices that make me feel Good. And the only way to ask that question and in, in, in a way that makes any sense is to say like right now, who you are, girl, I love who you are right mm-hmm. now i you have been through so much, mm-hmm. you have fallen down you 've been knocked down, but you you got your ass back up mm-hmm. you know you went through all of these things, and this body, this mind mm-hmm. This soul yeah. brought you to this place. Right. So you can't hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's your child, a pet, or something like that, you intuitively know that love is the answer mm-hmm. to that. You intuitively know that even when they do something that's wrong
1: mm-hmm.
0: or, or not, or even something that will put themselves in danger, you know, you love them enough to want to, make sure that they're safe and so it's the same kind of thing that we're talking about with intuitive eating it's like what is disconnecting you right from your intuition right and so ultimately sometimes with intuitive eating you almost have to go backwards and address those questions and be mindful first
1: right
0: it allows you to kind of start connecting back to that place where your body goes ah, okay, now I'm involving all of my senses and I'm truly asking myself intuitively, what nourishes you? Right. And so part of intuitive eating is getting back in touch with your intuition. Right. And so that your relationship with anything, including food, which is, something that we cannot do without. It's one of those things we cannot cut out of our lives because it no longer serves us, right? Right. It always will serve us, but it's just in in what way?
1: So -hmm. I know I said a lot. No, but but, there were some really good points there, some really favorable, well, not favorable, but some things that I definitely, I I hadn't considered that way before. I think your explanation of intuitive eating is a better one than I've ever given. Um, But I honestly, I do agree with that, that it really is and just kind of respecting what your body is telling you that it needs at the moment, like that level of intuition, your body is speaking to you and telling you, you know, without having to go get your blood drawn per se, which is, this is not an advertisement to say, don't get your blood drawn. Please do. (laughs) Please, please. Um, but you know, it's just kind of allowing your body to tell you that first. It, It reminded me a lot of like, I think last summer, two summers ago, I was eating a lot of clams and a lot of mussels. Like I just, oh my gosh, I just couldn't stop. I was just every day, every time I went to Costco, I was like, I need both and I need to cook them all. And they'd be like five pounds of mussels. I have so many mussels. And I realized, you know, after I'd done my blood work that I had a pretty low zinc level and those are very high in zinc. So it's just like my body was like, Hey, please have some zinc. Right now, I feel like if I took a blood test, it would probably be different because I'm a little bit, I'm like, oh, I'll have a muscle, but I'm not craving it actively. So I'm sure my zinc levels are different. So just kind of thinking about it from that perspective of allowing your body to be the one to tell you first and respecting it enough to hear it, I really vibe with, honestly. Um, But I think you just made a lot of really good points about just Kind of loving yourself and like needing to do that because leading with that kind of and I feel like love is always like a really hard word for people because you think about how you love your partner and how you love your parents and how you love your kids and that's not how you love yourself at least that's not how I love myself. It looks very different. It's not necessarily that it's um, not love. It's just more of a respect that I have for myself. It's understanding my, respecting my boundaries, respecting when I'm tired, respecting what I like, what I don't like, respecting when I'm done eating. It's just more about having a respect for this body that I have to be in because I will, you know, be in it for my whole life. Like no one's gonna spend as much time as I am with me. And because of that, you know, I have to respect myself because spending that much time with someone that you do not respect, uh is not going to lead you to any good results you know um i think you know you're speaking you speak to someone you don't respect you know that's kind of how you lead to saying all the terrible things mm-hmm. about yourself being super self-deprecating um all of those things where if you respected yourself you wouldn't ever do because you don't behave that way with someone that you ha- hold respect for um and so sometimes i feel like using the word respect is easier for people to kind of embody for themselves instead of saying love because, you know, and honestly, in all honesty, for me, respecting myself to this degree is loving myself is, you know, it does give me the opportunity to give back to my body what it's asking from me. And in that way I am loving it. And so, you know, I do know Mm -hmm. for me, I do love myself, but for other people, especially when you're getting started out on this journey, sometimes, you know, referring to it more as respecting yourself, getting yourself at least to that point, um, Will go leaps and bounds.
0: Yeah, it allows a connection to be made a little bit more easily yeah. because sometimes we may think of self love as self being self absorbed mm. and being um, making us selfish and all those other um, negative connotations that we put on that phrase in in particular. So I love I love the self respect because it it does then allow you to visualize like, what would it mean if I did respect myself enough
1: mm-hmm. to mm-hmm.
0: take care of myself in a right. way that feels nourishing and supportive and absolutely right. Creating boundaries and it's, it's also so Im- important mm-hmm. with that. And um, it also allows you to know that you don't have to like, eat all the food on your plate, because that's not being said. You're not tuning in to that intuition Mm -hmm. that's telling you. And I feel that many of us, we are so programmed to ignore our Mm -hmm. needs. And we think of it as as needs, but it's actually our intuition asking us to pay attention to what it's saying, because it's already um, programmed. Right into, into our body. So, and into a cellular level, I feel that it, it definitely goes there. So intuitive eating really kind of capitalizes on that.